0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, be with us today as we ponder this truth again, what it means that we are your sheep and you are our shepherd. Bless this time in your word. Comfort us with the truth that we are always, always under the watchful eye of our shepherd now and forever. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. It's a statistic that has been on the rise for quite some time, and it's been going up at an alarming rate. Over the last year, COVID may have exacerbated this statistic, but it was there way before COVID and shutdowns and isolation ever happened. And its causes, there's a lot of them. It can happen when maybe you move to a new location, like some of you are getting ready for a new duty station and maybe you don't know anybody there. And you're a little nervous. It can happen when you start a new school and and you're the new kid that's that's trying to fit in. It can happen when maybe you take a new job, trying to learn the ropes. Trying to fit into that to that work culture in that office because everyone's got one. It can happen when a relationship goes south, when words are said that, that can't be retracted. It can strike when a when a marriage tanks and ends in divorce. It can happen when, when tragedy strikes, when, when you deal with the death of a loved one. Maybe it's a spouse or a grandparent, a parent, a friend, a child. It can happen to anyone. At any time. Any place. Loneliness is something that I think all of us in some way shape or form have wrestled with in our lives in fact some of the the most recent studies 2018 so again I think it might be even worse during the days of COVID but even before COVID a lot of the research was saying that that up to 54 percent of Americans said that they felt lonely all the time or on a regular basis And that doesn't include the rest of them, that that at some point in time they felt it. So at any given moment, that means one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, right? Half of you in this room, I can divide it up in ones and twos, are dealing with some sort of chronic loneliness for, for whatever reason. And loneliness is not a good thing. Loneliness has a way of causing so many other issues. Some of the other research and they've been doing this for the last 20, 30 years watching these trends, talking to people working with them. And one of them that really caught my attention this week that chronic loneliness many experts say is just as dangerous and just as harmful to your body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Think about that. Just as dangerous. Numerous studies have linked loneliness to higher rates of high blood pressure and Alzheimer's and heart disease and stroke and dementia, just to name a few. I- I'm not sure if we have to talk a whole lot about the connection between loneliness and mental health issues. Because right? people that feel lonely are often depressed. And it's often one of the leading reasons why people eventually commit suicide because nobody has their back, or at least they think that way. Nobody's there for them. They are all alone. Loneliness affects a lot of people, and can be devastating. And, and I used to think that loneliness is is one of those things that maybe struck our older population. Right? It makes sense. A spouse of 40, 50 years dies or, or maybe they, they have to go into a, a care facility and they don't always get to see family and friends that they would like to. That makes sense to me, but you know the number one demographic in the last 10 years where all the statistics are shooting up? Loneliness, depression, suicide rate. You know what it is? It's our kids. 10 to 30 year olds, that range right there are some of the most loneliest people that we're going to encounter on a regular basis. Now, maybe some of you, especially if you, if you haven't wrestled with chronic loneliness before, well, like, how, how can this be, right? We're, we're connected more than ever. You can do Zoom, you can do Skype, you can do FaceTime, you can do all these things where you can see these people a world away. So we're more connected than ever before. We're extremely blessed, right? Even, even the, the people in this congregation struggling the most, you are more blessed than like 90% of the people on the globe, and not just now, but that's ever lived in the history of God's creation. Do you get that? We have everything at our disposal. We, we, we want and lack nothing. You want something, you can just hop on Amazon, and if you're willing to pony up and pay for Prime, you're going to get it like by tomorrow. <laughs> just like that, it's there. Yet, we are more lonely, more unhappy, more angry, more depressed, more down than ever before, it seems. Now, the reasons for it are many, and we can have that talk on another day. But but for today, I want to talk to you about, well, what can we do about it? What can we, as children of God, do about it? Loneliness when it strikes us or when it strikes those we know and love. Because who doesn't want to feel like somebody's there for them? Who doesn't want to know that somebody's got their back no matter what, they will never walk alone? And so this morning we were reminded of that truth that you will never walk alone because of your good shepherd. And so that section of God's Word that we want to take a closer look at today, it's probably the most well-known section in all the Scriptures. Like even people who don't really come to church much or, or, or know much about the Bible, if anything at all, if they know anything about the Bible, it's probably this section. All you have to do is see a funeral scene on a movie, and what do you see? You see probably a guy like me with the Bible reading from Psalm 23. And it's so popular, every funeral I have ever done as a pastor, at some point, Pastor, are you going to read Psalm 23? Sure. And so I want you to listen. Maybe you've heard it a hundred times, maybe this is your first time hearing it, but just listen to what Jesus is saying to you in Psalm 23. This is how it begins. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is God's beautiful words to us about a sheep And their shepherd. Now, the guy who wrote Psalm 23 originally, a guy named David, you might know him as a very powerful king. Maybe you remember how he took out a giant named Goliath and then was anointed king over God's people, a guy, a king who would rule for 40 years under the nation of Israel's best times, arguably. But did you know that before David became king, he was a shepherd? He was just a lowly shepherd boy. In fact, when the prophet Samuel went to go visit David's household, his dad was named Jesse, and said, one of your boys is going to be king, he wasn't even told to come in. There's no way David's going to be king. You know where he was? He was out stinking to high heaven with his sheep in the fields. So I think it's kind of neat that all those years later God has this one-time shepherd write this psalm about sheep and shepherd. But did you notice something David is not the shepherd in Psalm 23. David is one of sheep. Because here's something else about David's life that you may not know. David knew what it was like to feel the sting Of loneliness. In fact, in one of the other Psalms, David wrote quite a few Psalms. Psalm 25, he says, please God, I'm afflicted and I'm alone, so please turn your face toward me, right? He was feeling the sting of loneliness. Now, what are some of the things that may have caused David to feel a little bit lonely? I suppose we could talk about David and Goliath, right? If you know the story, you know that All the armies of Israel, including King Saul himself, were too chicken to get out of the bunker and go face Goliath on the battlefield. And so this teenage boy, David, the shepherd boy, says, I'll do it. And he walks out to meet the giant, yes, with the Lord with him, but but all his fellow countrymen, nobody else was going to walk by his side. He was alone with God and a giant. Or maybe we think about the time that David was on the run for a really long time. The king, the first king at the time, his name was Saul. And at some point, David and Saul's relationship went south. And you know what Saul was trying to do to David? Kill him. And so Saul took all the resources of his government and his mighty military might and he hunted David like a dog from cave to cave, from house to house, right? David had to be one step ahead of him on the run and that had to have been a lonely time in David's life. There was no going home, no hugging his kids, kissing his wife goodnight, sleeping in his own bed. He was sleeping in a cave with one eye open and a sword in his hand. Or maybe David thinks about the lonely times in his life when we talk about David and Bathsheba. You know that one? David sees this beautiful woman bathing and he's overcome with lust and he's got to have her and guess what? The king's going to get what the king wants. And so King David takes this woman, he sleeps with her. He gets her pregnant. He comes up with a plan to make it look like her and her husband got together, but that didn't work. So then he premeditated murder and he had her killed. And David talks about that later on in life, how during that time when he refused to acknowledge his sin and repent and come clean, even though God already knew and half the kingdom knew what he did, he refused to to say he was sorry and repent. David said that was a horrible time in his life, and physically, mentally, emotionally, he was in shambles. And really it doesn't change, if you know your scripture, it doesn't change until when? When? When Nathan, his pastor, says, David, you're the man. And David says, I've sinned against God and forgive me. And God did. But there was a long time David knew the loneliness of trying to justify and hold on to his sin. And I'm going to give you one more, little Bible history 101 this morning for you. Later on in life, a man named Absalom led a rebellion against David. He slept with his wives in broad daylight He got his crew of guys and their weapons and he tried to kill David. And here's maybe the kicker of the story. Absalom was David's son. Right, if you're here with your kids today, look at them. Can you imagine your own flesh and blood? Go ahead, look at them. Stop looking at me. I'm not your child. But look at them. They want you dead. They want your possession. They want what you have. And they'll do anything, including taking you out to get it. David knew the loneliness of rejection and betrayal by his own children. David was an expert in loneliness in some ways, right? The loneliness of rejection, the loneliness of loss and sorrow, the loneliness of of holding on to sin and not repenting it and and not listening to God, all different ways to feel lonely, David felt it. But here's the thing. Through it all, God never left David, and through it all, God pursued David and reminded David of one fundamental truth that changed everything. I think there may be five of the most beautiful words in this entire psalm. It's this truth. For you are with me. Whatever evil was pursuing David, whether it was in his own heart or attacking from the outside, whatever enemy was lurking around the corner, whatever situation that he was dealing with, it was hard, but he knew, for you are with me. His good shepherd was never going to leave him. And that made all the difference in David's life. All of us know what it's like to deal with loneliness. Maybe different ways, different reasons why, but we all know the sting of loneliness. We've been there, we've done that, we've felt it in our own lives. Maybe it's when she said she didn't want to date us anymore. That hurt. Maybe it's when the boss said, you know what, it's not working out, we got to downsize and... Your position's on the chopping block. Maybe it happened when a friend betrayed you, somebody that you thought would be there for you. They they turned on you and, and you're crushed and you're feeling lonely. Maybe it's when your words and actions are the one that ruined the marriage, destroyed the relationship, severed the ties, and you're feeling the sting of that loneliness like David did, and maybe some of your pride won't let you stop feeling that way because you don't want to come clean. Maybe it's that loneliness that's been fueling your depression. Maybe it's what's been causing you to to do things that you think will help or mask it. You're overeating, you're over drinking, you're oversleeping, you're over binge-watching your favorite shows. You're working too much because you don't want to deal with the issue. Maybe it's loneliness that have caused you not to feel so well, right? Because there's a definite connection. If you ever struggled with depression, anxiety, loneliness, there's not just a mental component, there is a spiritual and a physical component to it. Maybe it's what's been causing you to lash out. Because you heard the saying, right? Hurt people hurt people. So you're hurting, you're feeling lonely. And so it's like an animal who's cornered. You might not even be trying to do it, but you're lashing out, and you're hurting others in the process. Whatever it is that, that's causing your loneliness you need to understand something that it's destructive. You can't just leave it alone. You can't just leave it unchecked. It's destructive, it's divisive, and its end goal is to destroy you and cut you off from God. Do you know that? In fact, loneliness and despair are probably the devil's best weapon. Actually, I think there's two. Pride's one right? I'm good. I'm good to go. I'll do what I want. I'm right. You're wrong. And then there's despair over here. Loneliness and despair, and I'm no good. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares, right? Both are equally deadly. The devil will use both, but for our sake today, right, he'll lose loneliness because loneliness leaves people feeling uncared for, unnoticed, unloved, unwanted, and again, cut off. And so the devil will use that tool against you because he wants you cut off first from God, but he also wants you cut off from each other, right? Think about this. Think about the times that maybe you have an issue in your marriage or with your kids at home. Guys, especially, what's going to be your temptation? You'll spend more time at work. You'll put in more time and effort at work. You'll convince yourself and justify that it's just work and they need me because you don't want to deal with what's going on at home. Or maybe if the problem's at work, you might find a way to avoid work, or at the very least, avoid that person. You know their routine, you don't want to pass them in the hall, so you actually have to engage them, and so you withdraw. Maybe it's somebody at school, right? Again, avoidance. Maybe it's somebody here at church. You're going to avoid them. Because you don't want to deal with it. That's the worst thing you can do. Because it will not change. In fact, the devil will use it to get you feeling more lonely, more divided more unnoticed, more unloved. And we're not even talking about this one, but he'll also work on your pride more too, and you think that you're the justified one. When maybe you're not. So, I don't think anything I said is earth-shattering because we know how the devil tempts us and how this works. So what can we do about it? How can we combat it head-on so that loneliness does not take hold of us because it leads to so many bad things. Most importantly, it removes us from the presence of our God. The same thing that God used with David is the exact same thing that he uses with us. Right? What, 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 what put David in a right place where he could say, goodness will follow me, it's good, the, the Lord's with me, the good shepherd, and get him in a good place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically? It was those five words, right? For you are with me. Whatever you're going through, friends, know this. For you are with me. You got an up-and-coming move that you're scared about? A little nervous? You don't know a whole lot of people there? For you are with me dealing with the sting of maybe a, a relationship that's been broken, maybe it was your fault, maybe it was somebody else's, maybe it's a combination, which it often is, and you're struggling to, to how is it gonna work, how is it gonna fix, for you are with me. For, are you feeling unloved? Nobody gets me, nobody understands, nobody cares, for you are with me. you struggling with loneliness in any way? You've been trying to solve it your own way. No, no, no. For you are with me. Memorize it, right? Because the words and the main message of Psalm 23 is not just the message of Psalm 23. It's not just the message of John 10 where Jesus says, I'm that good shepherd. It's the message of all of scripture. Whatever you're going through, whatever the struggle God says, I am with you. No matter what others might think or say, no matter what you might think of yourself, Jesus says, I am with you, and I am for you. And because of it, you don't need to be afraid. Whatever dark valley you're faced with, whatever struggle, (laughs) for you are with me. Brings us comfort. Because you see, Jesus has done everything for you quiet waters, green pastures, all that you absolutely need, it's all yours. Even the most darkest valleys. Because this psalm is not just talking about death, sometimes that's overused with funerals. David didn't write it for a funeral. Whatever dark valley it is, you don't need to be afraid. Because Jesus is with you. Right? For you are with me. Because you see, here's the truth I want you to hear today. Your good shepherd Jesus, who lo- loves you, who died for you, who rose for you, will not lead you anywhere he wasn't willing to go. Do you get that? He will never lead you to a place that he has not already been. He will never lead you down a path that's going to be harmful and hurt you. Because he's not in the business of hurting you. And so if you talk about dark valleys, if you want to talk about the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus has already been there and done that. He already walked through that valley of the shadow of death alone to rescue you. He already went through those dark valleys of death and hell to pay for your sins and he came out alive on the other side and he says those who are with me I'm going to bring you through it and you'll come out alive on the other side. So even death we are never alone for you are with me. I don't know all the things that you're struggling with. Some of you I do, some don't. Just like you don't know all of mine, right? And I don't know what's going to happen in the days ahead. I don't even know what's going to happen in an hour from now to you or to me or to my family, to my friends. I, I don't, because I'm not God. And so if you're anything like me, someone, I've shared this before, who's struggled with depression and anxiety and feelings of loneliness, you are going to need A reminder. And so that means maybe the other 50% who, who are in a good place right now, your brothers and sisters need you more than anything else. Because not only is the Good Shepherd with you to encourage and comfort and love and support and rescue you, your Good Shepherd says, I want you to share that with somebody else so that they never forget it. You know, that's one of the things that I really love about the early Christian church. If you read the book of Acts, which is kind of the the historical book of the beginning of the early Christian church, how it spread from Jerusalem and beyond, one of the hallmark, one of the calling cards is their togetherness. They didn't worship for an hour and run out the door and never see each other the rest of the week. They, they got together regularly. They worshiped together. They read the Bible together. They ate together. They did life together. They even went so far as when they saw someone in need, hey, we'll sell something if we have to, to give them some money to help them so they can eat or maybe have a roof over their head and just live. They did that for each other. In fact, one of the most appealing things in the early Christian church, when you read some of the letters that, that people write, it was that love that drew people to Christianity. Sadly, in our modern culture, a lot of that's been lost. And maybe one of the biggest reasons why is all of us at times have bought into this lie in the culture that we live in that we are okay on our own, that we can do life by ourselves. I'm an individual, I can do what I want, I'm the master of my own destiny. And we've bought that lie because God did not create you to be that way. Even at creation, He said it's not good for man to be alone. He did not create you and me to be alone by ourselves, He created us to be together community to love and to serve to encourage and to support to forgive and to be forgiven to rebuke and love and help one another in our walk of faith in a world that's very difficult to navigate so what if What if we actually did this? What if we actually practiced the things we preach and teach and confess and say we believe on Sunday mornings? What if we actually did this on Monday afternoons and Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings and it wasn't just a a a one-day-a-week thing? What if we actually admitted that we need each other, that dependency, right? We're, we're not masters of our own destiny. We can't do it alone. If that's true, then why'd you get married? Why do you have kids? If you really thought you could do it by yourself, stay single. What if we did that? What if we recognized that truth? What if we actually recognized that, that we have a dependency need on Jesus because we have failed, we have fallen short, and we need help, and Jesus is the one who says, I've helped you. What if we actually got into the Word together and we were so filled up with the love of Jesus that we didn't have to have it our way, that we didn't have to demand that somebody, somebody gives me what my perceived rights are, but we could love and serve others because we already know who we are in Jesus, right? That's an awesome thing. When you are so into the Word and you know who you are in Jesus, you're a child of God, you know what it frees you to do? It frees you to stop looking here and start looking here. It frees you to, to use your time, your resources, your everything to love and serve God and love and serve somebody else, which also includes telling them, Your good shepherd's with you. It's going to be okay. What if we did that? A couple of ways that we can do that, friends. Number one. Stay connected to God. right? You're not going to be able to do that if you don't stay connected to your shepherd. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The good shepherd keeps running after us, but what are sheep prone to do? Run away from the shepherd, and that's what we're all prone to do. Stay with the shepherd. Stay close to him. And number two, stay close to each other. Because you know how God often works? He works through you. He gives you his word. He gives you the tools and he works through you to love and support and help. And so maybe this week God is calling you to reach out to somebody who's feeling lost and lonely. And he wants you to tell him Jesus is with you and I'm here too. One way you can do that is today after church, we're signing up for another round of life groups. And almost 80% of you did the first round. I hope like 90 to 100 do the second round because that's the whole purpose of those life groups, to connect you to God and to connect you to each other so that we know that we're never alone. Because here's reality. They say that we're in a loneliness epidemic, and in some ways, they're probably not inaccurate. All of us struggle with it in in some way, shape, or form at different times in our life. And we need help. And so, as we close today, may I suggest something? Those five most beautiful words that you cannot forget. For you are with me. Say it with me. For you are with me. Me, Jesus, your good shepherd, is always with you. And because of it, you're never alone. Amen.